Hey, what's up? And welcome. You're listening to Sneak Up on the Pedestrian Podcast Network. Proudly brought to you by Platypus Shoes. Sneak Up will keep you in the know across things like music, art, dance, and all around culture. Those little thoughts that sneak up in your brain, we're going to chat about them. My name is Jack, your host and avatar for all these epic conversations that we're set to have together. On today's episode, we're chatting with Sydney-based artist Scott Marsh. You might have heard of Scott via his large-scale murals that comment on a range of topics and social issues. From painting Egg Boy to Tony Abbott marrying George Pell and George Michael as Jesus Christ, Scott Marsh has been a man regularly in the headlines over the last few years. Right now, we're chatting his history of graffiti, his thoughts on the changing nature of street art, and his future. Scott, thank you so much for coming in. Not a problem, man. Really appreciate it. So I guess to sort of like, you know, you, you are sort of a bit of an enigma to many people. Um, and I know that you definitely sort of don't like people to be too aware of who you are. Yeah. Um, but without giving too much away about who you actually are, can you give us a bit of a rundown on like your history, like your upbringing? Um, I guess my background's in graffiti. So as a kid and into my early 20s, I was kind of running around doing graffiti in its traditional sense. So tagging and painting trains and that kind of stuff. Um, I did a little bit of formal training, so I studied a Bachelor of Fine Arts at Kofa. Um, but I think kind of 80% of what I use in my art practice comes from, from my time in graffiti, mm-hmm. not just, I guess, in terms of scale, especially color, because, you know, painting graffiti, you're picking three or four color schemes a week for, I was for 10 years to paint pieces. Mm. So you get a real understanding of how colors work together. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as well, I guess, just attitude and the way I kind of go about my business yeah that, <laughs> well you have a graffiti sort of mentality uh, yeah i think a little bit i think it gets in your blood for sure <laughs> what is the graffiti mentality um it's a little bit everyone hates the term yolo but i love that term so much <laughs> so yeah it's a little bit yolo yeah okay cool um and so for those that were never part of it as i'm sure you know most people in society weren't um the graffiti scene probably feels really foreign to them um yeah. i've read that you were doing graphs since you were like 12 can you yeah. give us like a sort of typical day in the life of 12-year-old you? Oh, 12-year-old me. I was, I was painting graffiti, but that was, I was doing other shit as well. Oh, right, okay. games and stuff. But I don't know, in terms of just graffiti, it's like a full-time job when you're in it, in it, mm-hmm. and there's not really room for anything else. You know, I wasn't really partying during that period. I was just like painting, painting, painting. It's like obsessive. It, it's a bit of an addiction. I so, can imagine. Yeah, well, it also translates... I guess, well into what I do now. And it translates for a lot of other people I've seen who've moved into like business and been really successful Mm. and um, other things as well, because you do have like a, you're able to set your energy to something and give it kind of a hundred percent. There's a bit of a discipline in it. Mm. And how did you get into that sort of graffiti scene? Like, was it people that you knew or were you just drawn to it? No, I just actually, I went, I rocked up at school uh, in year six, after school holidays, and some bloke had just gone to town on our school with a black spray can. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and I just saw it and I was instantly, it just, I was attracted to it and I went home, started scribbling on, in my notebooks and then <laughs> stole a spray can from my parents' garage and wrote, SM is here, was here or something all mm. over the neighborhood. <laughs> and that was uh, me hooked. That's like a principal's worst nightmare. Like, yeah, we yeah. have to get this out. That's definitely going to impact the kids somehow and you were that one kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I, I'm pretty conscious of it now when you see like graffiti in a school or something. You're like, that, that's going to get one kid for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a gateway drug to art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and what was like the height of your graffiti times? Like what uh, age were you, do you think? Oh, just... Man, it's probably 10 years that was the height. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Consistent? Yeah, yeah. It's always kind of like that. Yeah, it's, right. It's really is a bit of an addiction. So, for me, 
moving away from that and putting my energy into art has been a bit of a, a, a process, but now I'm kind of at a spot where, you know, I enclose the book on that chapter of my life and mm. then focus on the art stuff. Yeah, for sure, I can imagine. And what sort of parallels are there between like your your early work doing graffiti and the stuff that you're doing now? Uh, well, like I said, like the majority of the stuff I use in my art practice comes from my time doing graffiti. So color, scale, um, the materials I use, mm. uh, uh, tradition things I used to use in graffiti. So like uh, inks and spray cans and exterior acrylic paint that you get from like the hardware store. Um, the only, I think, thing that I took from art school, I guess, was a bit of formal training with drawing and stuff like that. But also I use those mediums from graffiti and I try and combine them with techniques that I learned in, you know, traditional oil painting. So mm. using layering, painting from a ground, um, stuff like that. So a lot of my work's kind of interested with taking graffiti art and the mediums and the ideas and the energy from graffiti and presenting it within a fine art world sphere. So a lot of the still lives and stuff I paint, that's what they're kind of concerned with was is taking a traditional motif in fine art, which is the floral still life. It mm-hmm. doesn't get more classic than that. And then painting them with, you know, the tools of graffiti um, and trying to present graffiti, I guess, in a way that's digestible to a normal person mm. in that space. You know, it's usually kind of chucked to the fray as like lowbrow art or something, but trying to build a little bit of a bridge so people can kind of get engaged with graffiti, but not really engaged with graffiti, if that makes any <laughs> <Yes>. sense. <laughs> not tagging a school or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Um, I would say that generally, you know, at least a lot of your very, like, more well-known art pieces and murals are very politically minded. Is that something that you always set out to do? Like, is that something that you were doing even when you were painting graffiti in your teens? Nah, for sure not. I, w- I was not political at all. And it really all got set off from the lockout laws and Mike Oh, Baird. really? Yeah, yeah. So, I had had a lot of friends who were losing their jobs. I used to live in King's Cross. Um, and so, I had, you know, a million great nights out there and built a lot of good friendships in that t- period of my life as well. Um, but, you know, I had friends from strippers to uh, bartenders, the dude that squeezes the juice for, like, the bars in King's Cross. Yep. Oh, everyone's just losing their jobs because of these lockout laws, mm. which didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, when I was in the Keep Sydney Open, they had, like, a big march through the city. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought of the idea to paint a casino mic mural. And then yeah, right. after that, I got a lot of media interest and people wanted me to come and talk about the mural. And like I said, I wasn't really engaged politically at all. I was like, fuck, I better research what's going on with this bloke. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to look like an absolute dickhead. Um, so, I did a little, you know, a little bit of digging and found, you know, he, there was probably three to five policies of his that were a bit stinky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that kind of got me interested in politics. I'm like, well, if this guy's a bit sus, then what about the other ones? Yeah, so, right. And then it all started from there, really. All right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Do you think that... Your politically charged works definitely get heaps of attention. Like, you know, yeah. they they make a lot of a lot of news headlines all the time. Do you think that that is sort of changing, like, a misconception of graffiti? Uh, no, well, I think it, it it's basically just painting what people are thinking. Right. Um, and just putting it on a wall. And people love that, you know. It's mm. cheeky. There's nothing kind of more Australian than that irreverence of taking the piss out of yeah. things you're not supposed to. And putting it up on a wall is kind of the the greatest embodiment of that so mm. people people love it um because of that i guess and mm. i and as well people have a real strange fascination with things painted on a wall mm-hmm. so i'll get uh commissions from people they'll be like oh we want you to come paint the wall in our apartment 
And then I find out they're renting. I'm like, well, why don't I just paint it on a canvas for you? <laughs> I'll, you can take it with you when you go like, no, 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 no. We have to have it on the wall. <laughs> it's, it's real. Yeah, so yeah. I don't get that because I've been painting on walls forever. So mm. it's just completely normal. But people are like, well, it's on a wall. Yeah. And as well, putting art in a public space, people love that as well because you look at ads all day. Mm. Um, gallery space can be pretty uh, scary spot for some people. You know, this big white room with a lot of kind of snobby people walking around yeah. I think is the conception uh, preconception of it so mm-hmm. being able to connect with art in your own environment when you're going to get the bus or get your morning coffee or whatever I think is is something cool yeah for sure I, that sort of brings me on to my next point actually like I would say that your style of art is one of the few that sort of it happens in public spaces what draws you to doing it there rather than sticking to canvases all the time well it just comes naturally for me I think most there's a lot of artists now that are starting to paint murals who are studio artists, mm-hmm. which I'm not super into. I think you leave that space to graffiti writers. But um, for me, it was the other way around. You know, I was painting on walls and then I had to try and figure out how I could take the paintings I was painting outside and, and build a process and an art practice in the studio. So that's been the process for me. Um, yeah. Why would you say that doing murals should be left to graffiti artists and not to studio artists? I don't know. That's it's the graffiti writer in me, I guess. Yeah, right. um, like a, a, a they code get pretty or territorial about yeah. it, you know. Um, it's been graffiti writers' domain forever, mm. and I, I understand people get the shits. You know, they might paint a wall; it might look shit to most people, but they've gone and risked getting in trouble to go paint a wall, and then yeah. uh, someone commissions a some mural over the top of it that has nothing to do with graffiti. Mm. Um, the person who painted it has nothing to do with graffiti; doesn't understand. Uh, the kind of rules or the ethics within graffiti and they also don't understand who they're going over. Right, okay. Um, so I totally get that and I have a lot of empathy for some of the graffiti writers that gets the shit, get the shits with it. For the most part, my stuff doesn't get it done over because I live by that code and I also exist existed in that world and people know who they are and they know, you know, if they're going to just tag over a mural with graffiti stuff, then there's probably going to be graffiti world consequences for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. A lot of people hating on, on someone that tags over one of your pieces, I imagine. Yeah. Um, going back to that whole public aspect of things, your work is then also in turn able to be vandalized by others. Yeah. I would say probably the most prominent one of that was that George Michael mural that you did. Yeah. How does it make you feel when you see people defacing your work? Uh, in terms of me personally, I've got a pretty thick skin when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, um, for years paying graffiti, you paint it, take a photo, it's gone that day. So... I don't really. It doesn't really bother me too much. the The thing that kind of bothers me is the impact it has on other people. So, they're taking George Michael for example. That mural, you know, was until that point probably the least controversial mural I think I've ever painted. Yeah. And I was there for a year, um, but it was also a shrine for people in that community, the locals, and also the gay and lesbian community. Come, they leave candles. Um, the guys that lived in the place there, they are friends with George. Uh, so to see people just attack that kind of shrine, that kind of sacred space, I guess for them was pretty sad and it had a real kind of negative impact on everyone in that kind of community. So Yeah, for sure. And there was that other one you did as well. Was it George Pell and Tony Abbott on yeah. the Botany View? Yeah, that, got, that lasted a couple of hours. Yeah, it? that was really gnarly. I saw there was like some really huge backlash against the Botany View for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They, were, they had to disconnect the phones, I think. Oh, dear. We'll be back to our interview with Scott in two seconds. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. All we ever hear is be them, do that, want this, act different. But what if all it took was trusting the way you do things? 
You're listening to Sneak Up, a platypus shoes podcast for the kinds of people that do things their own way. Going back to sort of the scene, like it's incredibly connected, like even on an international level, I'm sure. Yeah. What do you think makes the community so strong? Well, graffiti is not just a thing you do. It's like a, it's a culture and it's a movement. And um, it is the precursor to, you know, street art, which is, I think, the world's biggest wide-ranging art movement. It's in every city in the world. Um, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of street artists. Uh, so compared to, you know, other art movements in history, I've, by far it is the greatest and largest art movement. And graffiti started that. No graffiti, no kids in New York you know, writing their names on the subway, there's no street art. So I think it's a pretty powerful thing and I think it's something that needs to be... You know, if people don't like it, I understand you don't like tags and painting on other people's property, but at least understand its place in that evolution to the big colourful murals that you see Mm. and have an element of respect for that. You know, that's where it all kind of started. Just kind of grassroots, I guess. Yeah. But because it's that big community, that's why it is so strong. You know, so many people, it's not just kids running around tagging on things it's it's a, a lot bigger than that it's got its own history every city has its own graffiti history of legendary beefs and writers and stories and stuff like that so it takes on a bit of a mythology as well a mythology is a nice word for that yeah i think that's cool uh what other city in the world do you love painting the most um milan i've got a lot of great mates in italy um i've had a lot of good times there Stockholm in Sweden, Denmark has some cool places as well. Mm. But um, yeah, I think graffiti and street art is alive kind of well all, all over the world. So you can go to any city and find some cool guys to link up with. For sure. And so there's not like any sort of particular spot or place that you like to do? Like, you not know, really. to... Well, if I like painting murals, the, the most fun I've had is painting murals around the inner west in Sydney. Yeah. That's where people I get the best... It, both positive and negative feedback, but that's where there's the most kind of discourse about the murals and, and people kind of taking them in and, and appreciating them and thinking about them. You can paint them in different areas of Sydney and people are like, Ugh. yeah, you know, that's shit or whatever. Yeah. But in, in the inner west of Sydney and, you know, obviously there's other places as well, people just appreciate the fact that you're out there doing something that's not an ad on a wall. Yeah, yeah. And giving them something to look at. Did I read as well that you grew up in the Northern Beaches? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, right. So, yeah. you can't really get away with those sort of murals up there, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a different kind of culture up there. Yeah, definitely. Inner West is a little bit more loose in that way, I think. Yeah. Uh, um, I remember you saying a while ago that Melbourne scene is way more thriving than Sydney's. Why do you think that is? Is it a culture thing or...? Uh, I'm not sure why. Yeah, I guess it's a culture thing. Um, they also have a really, really rich graffiti history, um, which is what is the backbone of that as well. Um I'm not sure why, really. These things kind of evolve a lot. It's got so many different factors from local councils, how much they want to clean the stuff off. Mm. You know, if you paint in Melbourne, it doesn't get cleaned off as much. There's a bit more of an acceptance to it. Um, So then it allows those tags to turn into throw-ups that turn into pieces that turn into these big murals and walls, you know, where if you just buff everything straight away, every time there's a anything on a wall, all you'll get is tags because no one's going to invest time or effort into painting something. If they know it's going to get removed, they're just going to do something cheap, write their name, and Mm. that's it. Yeah, right. I never really even considered it like that. Yeah, but like the train lines in Melbourne used to rarely ever get cleaned and they had pieces from, you know, the 80s and stuff that were still on the lines. And so that's how it... You go to Berlin and ride the train, it's just free public art because those tags get painted over with 
throw-ups and those throw-ups get painted over with pieces mm. and then they get painted over with big characters and crazy stuff and it stays forever. Whereas if, like in Sydney, they clean the lines pretty regularly, people just do a tag or throw up something cheap. They're not going to yeah, invest a lot of time. Their time. Melbourne's like that. Brisbane used to be like that um, until about half a decade ago they cleaned so much history off the Brisbane train lines, which was really sad. Yeah, I can imagine. Pieces from the 80s and stuff like that. So. Oh, rough. Yeah, this is a bit of a weird left-field question, but given you're painting all the time, on the lanes in Melbourne, like how thick do you reckon the paint is at that, like at this point? Man, forget about the lanes in Melbourne. If you go down <laughs> the train line in Sydney, there's got to be five inches of brown paint on there. Really? Well, because they're just cleaning the... They just paint straight over the graffiti. So if you, it's kind of like... it. Always, I always think of it... You go to some Hall of Fame kind of spots where people paint every weekend. Mm. And after 10 years, the paint starts falling off the wall in these kind of, you know, five, six-inch slabs. And you can see all Whoa. the layers. And it really does look like... You know when they go looking for fossils and stuff? Yeah, you know, yeah. like every little layer is a story. It's kind of cool. Like the rings on a tree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sick. What do you think is the biggest misconception of graffiti in Australia? Uh, that it's done by little 15-year-old kids riding skateboards, smoking bongs, <laughs> I think. Yeah, uh, you know, graffiti is the only thing that I've encountered in my life that really crosses every racial and socioeconomic kind of boundary. You know, growing up as a kid, I had friends from out west, I had housing kid mates, I had rich kid mates, I had every, everything. And the only thing we had in common was graffiti, you know. So, I was all over the city. I wasn't just stuck in my little bubble of my area. Um, and because of that, you have, you know, I've got lifelong graffiti friends who are full-time criminals. I've got lifelong graffiti friends who are really successful business people that work in marketing, that are tradies, that are builders, that are every, every single aspect you can imagine across society mm. are graffiti writers. They're not just like Bart Simpson-esque rat bag kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're respectable, respectable members of society other yeah. than painting their name on stuff. Yeah, right. Uh... Um, more often I've been seeing, like you sort of talking about people going professional, more often I've been seeing murals and bits of graffiti being used to promote products and sort of like yeah. as part of big business campaigns and that sort of thing. What's your thinking on that? Man, you've got to get paid at some stage, you know. Um, it's just up to the individual what they feel comfortable doing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I don't, it's, it's, it's a bit of a tricky one. Like I do commercial work. Um, I try to keep it to a minimum and now I'm getting to the point where I, I don't really need to rely on any of that kind of stuff. I can just paint my own work and people want to buy it and that can support me so I don't have to do kind of, I guess, sell out jobs or whatever. But yeah. there is a period, I think, for any artist and especially murals are really in vogue. So businesses want to connect with artists and work with and brands want to work with them. So, mm. you know, to get yourself to that point where people want to buy your work, you've got to support yourself while you're doing that. So... It's up to, you know, I'm not going to hate on anyone for it, I guess. When you go from more stereotypical graffiti, like doing pieces and tagging and move into sort of more commissioned work and doing murals and stuff, is there any kind of backlash from the graffiti community? Yeah, for sure. But it's it's just from people with small minds. Right. There's always those traditionalists that are like, yeah, it's not graffiti. And mm. I'm like, I fucking know it's not graffiti, mate. <laughs> it's a mural. <laughs> Completely different thing. Yeah. You know, don't tell me what graffiti is. I know all about graffiti. Mm. Uh so, yeah, it's just that you always get that with everything. It's not just with graffiti, you know. I'm sure you get it in surfing. I'm sure you get it in skiing. I'm sure all those skateboarding, all those yeah. cultural things, you know. Fucking longboarders, a bunch of... <laughs> yeah. It'd be the same kind of thing, so... <laughs> True. Um, there's always those traditionists that hate on it, but... I think it's more as well when someone comes in, paints a mural over 
some really iconic graffiti writer and it just looks like a, a throw up or something, but they don't understand. They haven't taken the time to kind of learn that who people are. Mm. Um, and then the backlash associated with that is they'll just get tags and throw ups over their murals from now until a comet hits the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that sort of goes back again to what you were saying earlier about people not really knowing about the scene coming into it. And then yeah, sort of exactly. Stepping on it. Well, even like a lot of the young graffiti writers don't understand the scene, but they learn eventually. What is the, um, I know this is a pretty broad question, but what does the future of graffiti and street art look like to you? Um, I'm not sure. You know, maybe it'll fizzle out and, and just be one of those little flashes in the pan. Mm. I don't think it will. I know, you, you know, street art might fizzle out, but graffiti's not going anywhere. Um, that'll be around forever. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people in, in Germany, there's a lot of graffiti artists that are now moving into, instead of just painting their name on a train, they're, they're building full-on installations uh, and experiential kind of pieces in trains and and kind of thinking about it more than just writing your name, you know, and taking, pushing it to that next level. Mm. So I think that's probably where a lot of it's going. And then I think a lot of artists are now starting to look into doing sculptural work and stuff like that in a public space. Yeah, cool. And yeah. what about you? Are you just going to stick to murals or have you got anything big planned? Or uh, No, I just keep doing what I'm doing a little bit and it just slowly evolves, you know, it's all incremental little one day I might decide to do something a little bit different. They'll take me on a different path. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't have, you know, a 10-year plan for where my work's going to be. I just play it by ear. Cool. Yeah. I like that. This is Shoutouts on Sneaker. A time to get our fingers on the box. Have you got anyone you're really interested in at the moment? Yeah. Um, I don't know in terms of, in terms of kind of graffiti and and kind of mural artists, there's a guy, Emmanuel Moore from Brisbane, mm-hmm. um, who's doing amazing work and I know he'll be crazy successful in the future. Cool. Um, super original guy, super cool guy, young dude. Um, he's doing a lot of stuff. What sort it's, of stuff does he do? Uh, more like kind of surrealist scenes and stuff. He grew up in suburban Brisbane, so it's like... It's got a lot of kind of Australiana stuff and a lot of stuff from graffiti culture in his work. So, yeah, I think his stuff's pretty cool. Nice. If he keeps plugging along. Cool. I yeah. like that. Uh, what do you think of Lush? Uh, yeah, he's a cool guy. I don't yeah. know. He's doing, he's doing his thing. He loves his memes. Yeah. Would you say he's that that it? sort of like takes your kind of like more topical stuff to like a, another huge extreme? <clears throat> yeah, well, he's just solely interested in memes. He's like the internet lord, yeah. meme lord. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of crossover there for sure because, you know, you're doing social commentary, everything's meme worthy these days. So Mm. there's a little bit of that, but yeah, his, his stuff's great. He's, he's probably the most prolific and productive artist I've ever seen. He's creating murals, you know, a couple of times a day. Oh God, yeah, he does it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He's a machine. (laughs) Cool. So I've got one more question for you. Like I can't interview and not ask. Can you tell us a bit how the sort of egg boy, Fraser Anning, Easter egg hunt whole scenario went down <clears throat> ah yeah that was awesome it was so much fun um yeah i don't know i just had the idea for it I, I a few i forget what year it is you'd have to do a deep dive on my instagram but i had an exhibition called australian graffiti where i did like a treasure hunt thing across the rail network for mm. paintings and so i'm always kind of got that in the back of my head because it was so much fun to do something similar again um the egg boy thing happened and then i was already painting a kind of portrait in the studio of Fraser Anning as the Easter Bunny, and then All right. I realised Easter's coming up, and I was like, "Man, you got I got to do an Easter egg hunt. This is <laughs> too funny." Um, uh, so yeah, I did it across Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane. Hmm. There was a dozen 
dozen Fraser running Easter bunnies, which I thought was appropriate, a dozen eggs. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of eggs being flown around over Easter weekend. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I saw lots of videos of it. It was great. Yeah, everyone's getting involved. There's little kids up to <laughs> grandmas, everyone. It was good. Nice, dude. Well, that's pretty much it. I really appreciate you coming on the show. That was a really lovely chat. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Thanks for sticking around for another episode of Sneak Up. You can keep up to date on everything that Scott's doing over at his Instagram, at scotty.marsh. And while you're at it, chuck a follow to Platypus, at platypus underscore sneakers, and Pedestrian TV, at Pedestrian TV. And to stay in the loop on all things Sneak Up, don't forget to subscribe to the Pedestrian Podcast Network. I'll be back in a fortnight, but till then, keep it sneaky. (laughs) 